KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, your source for classical music here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, your hometown radio station from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy, as we have the privilege of taking you back in time for this next hour, right here in our very own little concert hall. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. I hope everyone has had a wonderful summer and a great start to their semester. And I really thank you all for joining us for season four of From the Concert Hall. You know, it's been a great previous three seasons. You know, we've looked at music through the ages, the music of America, and then last season we broke down the orchestra and looked at all the different instruments within the orchestra. Orchestra. Mm, excuse me. <coughs> This season, we're hoping to have a really sweet season, <laughs> and that's not just a play on words, because we are looking at orchestral suites this season, or suites within music. This uh, Tonight, we'll be looking at three, the Oklahoma Suite, which, as you can imagine, is from the musical Oklahoma by Rodgers and Hammerstein. We'll be looking at the English Folk Song Suite by Ralph Vaughan Williams, and then we'll also be looking at Old Home Days, a suite by Charles Ives. Now, just so everyone knows, these three suites are all, they all have something in common. They're all, they're all suites about life and, you know, an area that to them is home. In Oklahoma, you know, this is a suite about the musical, but the musical is dealing with issues of home. I mean, you have got <clears throat> two lovers trying to, you know, ha- get married and have their life and, you know, <laughs> all this between, you know, Will Parker and Annie Adu. But in, you know, Town and Gown, the which is the section from Old Home Days, the suite by Charles Ives, you have these collection of pieces that are written about different aspects of living at home. You've got music about the opera house, the different days and different people and towns, and even some even some child songs thrown in. And then for the English Folk Song Suite by Ralph Vaughan Williams, we're seeing, just like with the Ives Suite, we're seeing more, more music that has to deal with, you know, music about the home. You know, in the English folk song suite, Ralph Vaughan Williams, in this instance, is writing music like Ives about little aspects of home and daily life and, you know, the geographic area in this case that he considers home or near and dear to him overseas in England. 
Now, to give you a bit of background on our first suite tonight, the suite from Oklahoma, for those of you who don't know Oklahoma, it was the first musical written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. The musical is based on Lynn Riggs, which was a 1931 play, Green Grow the Lilacs. Now, it was set in the Oklahoma Territory outside the town of Claremore, which is an actual town in about 1906, and it tells the story of Curly McLean and his romance with the farm girl, Lori Williams. It also has a secondary romance with Will Parker and Annie, oh, Adu Annie, or Adu Annie, however you would like to pronounce that. You know, the original production aired on Broadway on March 31st, 1943, and it was a box office smash and ran for 2,212 performances and is revived year after year after year with national, local, and foreign productions. And eventually, in 1955, they adapted it to film as well. Actually, Rodgers and Hammerstein won a special Pulitzer Prize for Oklahoma in 1944. Now, in this suite from Oklahoma, you're going to hear some of the some of the best-known pieces of music within Oklahoma. You're going to hear the overture, you know, Oklahoma. <laughs> of course, you'll hear that song. You'll hear, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. And then, of course, you'll hear Stray with a fringe on top. And occasionally you'll hear little pepperings of, you know, different different smaller pieces within Oklahoma, including the finale, which was a mix of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning and People Will Say We're in Love. It's a beautiful suite. It starts off, you know, kind of quiet and timid, you know, just like the musical Oklahoma, and builds up to this grand ending. And, you know, really, I'm in love with this suite right now. When we were doing you know, our advertisement for this season, we posted this suite as the one to get everyone excited for the season, and we've had a lot of good feedback about it. So we felt it was a really good way to start this season, looking at suites that, you know, were close to home. In our case, very literally. I mean, Oklahoma is 45 minutes from us. They're right at our back door here at the Ozarks. Well, to start us off tonight... Here we have The Oklahoma Suite by Rogers and Hammerstein. I hope everyone enjoys.
Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ. Now, if you are just joining us, thank you for tuning in. Tonight, we are talking about sweets. You just heard the suite from Oklahoma. That, yes, Oklahoma the musical. In it, you heard elements of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, Surrey with a Fringe on Top, Oklahoma, you know, the actual song within the musical itself, and then, of course, little bits and pieces from smaller numbers within the musical, including the overture and the finale. Now, next tonight, we've got the English Folk Song Suite, which is by Ralph Vaughan Williams. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ralph Vaughan Williams established himself as the greatest British composer of his generation and heir to the legacy of symphonic composition so well established by Sir Edward Elgar. Now, he was the son of a clergyman, Vaughan Williams, who's who studied viola and organ. He attended the Charterhouse School, Cambridge University, and the Royal College of Music, eventually earning a doctorate at, the cam- at Cambridge in 1901. <clears throat> his formal training, while extensive, did not satisfy an inner urge to find his own musical voice, and eventually he went abroad in Germany with Max Bruch in 1897 and to Paris in 1908 to work with Marcel Ravel. I'm sorry, Maurice Ravel. But, you know, the distinctive rhythms and harmonics of English folk songs eventually proved, you know, the more significant influence for him. Beginning in, you know, the late 19th century, about the 1890s, Williams joined fellow composer Gustav Holtz. You know, most of you might know Holtz from the Planet Suite in collecting folk songs, many of which were in danger of being lost because those who knew this oral tradition were passing away without having taught them to anyone. Williams collected more than 800 folk songs, you know, many of which appeared in his work, and he has to produce, you know, he produced them for the rest of his life. Eventually, he was asked to edit the English hymnal in 1906, and he actually adapted about 40 or so of these folk songs into hymns. One of the most famous of them, you know, was Greensleeves, and he is really well known for his Fantasia on Greensleeves, which he debuted in 1934. Eventually, he joined the Folk Song Society in 1904 and was active in English folk dance movements popular at the time. His music is distinctive and sophisticated. His nine symphonies are varied in character, and the second of which established him as a major composer. In addition to symphonies, he did compose stage music, songs, works for chorus and orchestra, rhapsodies, concerti, and several works for wind band. Writer Ethan Morden once said of Vaughan Williams, an atmosphere of authentic Britain is within all of his compositions. You know, I don't know if anyone realizes this, but that's really a huge compliment for someone to say that, you know, this country that you love so much and the songs you're writing about it, you know, you really do embody them in your work. I mean, that's a huge compliment. You know, he embraced this role as a nationalist and once commented in an interview to an interviewer, um, every composer cannot expect to have a worldwide message. But he can, and he may, reasonably expect to have a special message for his own people. And many young composers make the mistake of imagining that they can be universal without first having been local. 
He managed to retain the local flavor of the British Isles while surpassing national boundaries, one would say. The English folk song suite that we're looking at tonight dates from 1923 and is his first composition for wind band. You know, the circumstances of this composition aren't really known, but based off of his love for folk songs and some of the particular ones he chose within this piece, <clears throat> it can be assumed that he wrote them about songs that were popular in his area growing up because it is known that he chose his favorite folk songs for this suite. And that's why he called them, or rather why he made them into the third movement, which is the English country songs. Or, well, also, folk songs from Somerset. Now, the folk song materials are as follows. The first movement, which is 17 Come Sunday. It's a march. You know, it's kind of an interesting adaptation on a folk song. The second is an intermezzo on My Bonnie Boy and also Green Bushes. And then finally, my favorite movement, which is the third movement, is what was known as the folk songs from Somerset. And that was a mix of Blown Away in the Morning. I'm sorry, Blow Away the Morning, Do High, Germany, The Tree So High, and John Barleycorn. You know, that's several different, <coughs> several different folk songs all meshed into this one movement. Initially, the suite was premiered by a student band at Neller Hall, the Royal Military School of Music in England. And <laughs> the first review of his performance was noted, the good composer has the ordinary monger of light music so hopelessly beaten. You know, when I read that that review, I'm not sure quite how I feel about that. And I wonder how how the composer felt reading this. You know, it's almost a compliment, but at the same time, it's almost an insult. Regardless, though, it has remained one of his most popular pieces of orchestral works. I'm sorry, one of his most popular pieces of, you know, wind band music. The orchestral work was actually transcribed by Jordan Gordon Jacob later, and eventually it was brought to America in 1957 by a recording done of it by the Mercury Company. Now, in that recording, Dr. Frederick Fennell was conducting. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Fennell is well known for his work with the United States Marine Band, and then also his work at the Eastman School of Music and the Eastman Wind Ensemble in particular. Now, the recording tonight we have actually is, a con is from a live concert, and it's with Dr. Fennell conducting the United States Marine Band here. So this is, I mean... This is a piece of the music as we would have heard it being played then. I mean, this is one of the few conductors who has spent so much time with this piece. I mean, it was noted that Dr. Fennell was the first to bring it to America, and he kept it here and performed it the most and the longest here. So hopefully as you listen to these next three sets of music within this suite, you'll feel some of the care Dr. Fennell has put in with his orchestra in, you know, in performing this piece, but you'll also be able to hear the love and the pure bit, the pure Brit of national Britishness that is conveyed in this music. So here we have, you know, the English Folk Song Suite by Ralph Vaughan Williams, movements one, two, and three. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. If you're just joining us tonight, we are talking about suites on From the Concert Hall. If you just turned in, you if you just tuned in a little bit ago, you were hearing the very end of the English folk song suite, a suite by Ralph Vaughan Williams. In it are about ten or so, you know, very very popular old English folk songs that Williams turned into this lovely uh, about 11 minute or ke- well actually at the time it was a wind suite that later was turned into an orchestral suite you know it's a very lovely i myself enjoy the last movement you know but if you've been with us all night so far you've enjoyed the suite from oklahoma which is yes of course oklahoma the musical which had elements of surrey with a fringe on top oh what a beautiful morning oklahoma the overture and the finale, as well as you know, several smaller, several smaller movements from within the musical itself. Now, to continue on down our road of suites tonight, we'll be talking next about the suite "Old Home Days," which is a suite by Charles Ives. In it, we have one, two, three, four movements. No, I'm sorry, five movements. I am miscounted. Excuse me. <coughs> In it, we have the first note, which is a waltz, actually. Interesting way to start a suite in my mind. But we have the waltz, which is Ives' song 358. It was composed in the mid-1890s. The beginning and ending of this, you know, kind of Bowery-style waltz, quote Michael Nolan's poem tune, Little Annie Rooney, and Ives' own verses, Imagine Annie, now a bride, and her festive wedding party at the old dance ground. So it's kind of making fun of this bit of music that came before him. The second movement is called The Opera House and is the first part of Ives' song Memories. And Ives describes a youngster's breathless expectancy as the pit band strikes up the overture. Just as the curtain rises, a drum roll takes off, well, takes us off outside again to, as he quotes, march along down Main Street behind the village band. And so we'll hear, you know, ringing of the church and school bells in Old Home Day which is what you'll hear there. And, of course, you know, that's the nostalgic title of Ives' March song, whose end is the beginning of, and I quote, everybody's alma mater, including Ozarks, mind you. Uh, I mean, Ozarks plays into this to- into this little pool, too. The, uh, the five-like overlay played through the repeat as patchwork and includes The Girl I Left Behind Me, Gary Owen, and Auld Lang Syne. Now, of course, what they're calling everyone's famous alma mater is that um, <clears throat> that tune oh, wh- what is it called? I want to say it is Annie Lyle that's what I'm going to think of. yes, yes it is now, after the opera house we have his next movement called The Collection, which is his song number 230 and it references a church offering. In it we've got I've setting of George Kinsley's hymn tune Tappen and it represents First, of course, the organist, then the soprano, and lastly, response by the village choir. So you're going to hear, you know, 
kind of a fuller sound, a solo, a solo instrument at that point, and then a really full orchestra after that. Now, for those of you who don't know, Hives actually started out as a church organist. That's how he spent a lot of his musical career. He grew up when he was very little, I think about six. He became a cadet, or at the time it was called a boy, in the Marine Corps. He played with the Marine Corps band, and he served as a church organist for most all of his life. So, after the collection, we have his slow march, and it is the earliest surviving of Ives' songs. It was composed when Ives was perhaps maybe 14, and, you know, to a simple verse by his Uncle Lyman, as occasioned by the backyard burial of the family pet, inscribed, To the children's faithful friend, the music opens and closes with quotation from the Dead March in Handel's Oratorio Saul. So for those of you who's ever heard that oratorio, oratorio by Handel, you'll recognize that little tease and paraphrase on the theme there. And then lastly, the last movement, we have his little... Fantage March on London Bridge has fallen down. Yes, you heard me right. London Bridge is fallen down. That is a reference to the children's tune. It's a tonal and rhythmic takeoff of it. And while we may imagine it to be typical of young Ives and really keyboard improvisations, this arrangement is actually based on Kenneth Singleton's realization for brass quintet of Ives sketches for organ or piano, which date to about 1891, which would have been a little later in Ives' life, not really that early on. But, you know, regardless, this really is a wonderful, wonderful suite for orchestra. For those of you who don't know, Ives really is one of my favorite American composers. I love his variations on America, and I really love his march, Intercollegiate, which we'll hear at the end of tonight. But it's just... Ives, to me, is one of those quintessential American composers who, you know, of course he's very quintessential American in the fact that he was, you know, in the Marine Corps from the time he was a small child. But also that the music he's composing and the things he's doing and performing are very American. I mean, he was the church organist. He, you know, is writing these movements for other churches. He's editing hymnals. He's doing things like that that are just, you know, at the time, quintessentially American. And even still today are just kind of things for the quintessential American musician. He was, uh, in my mind, a marvelous composer, and I think his music reflects that. And hopefully tonight, as you listen to this sweet old home days, you'll feel the same too. Now, the music is also from the President's Own Marine Band, which Ives was a part of, for those of you who Missed that little tidbit earlier there. I didn't quite catch it. And tonight it's being directed by Colin, I'm sorry, Colonel Timothy Foley. This is not a live recording like the last recording we had at the Marine Band. It's a studio recording and it's just, it's so wonderfully done. I mean, you can just l- hear all the subtle nuances within the music and it's really is wonderful work by the orchestra, all the performers, and the composer. So I hope as you listen to this suite, you enjoy it. And you can kind of hear Ives' bit of mockery and 
poking of fun within the music. So here it is, Ives' sweet old home days, as played as you would have heard it back then.
Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for staying tuned to From the Concert Hall. If you're just joining us, I'm sorry, we've, we've kind of reached the end of our programming. You know, we invite you to tune in again next week or listen to us when we rebroadcast. But, you know, for those of you who stuck it, stuck it out with us tonight, thank you. Your patronage is always much appreciated. As always, you can find From the Concert Hall on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash From the Concert Hall. And you can always find us podcasted on iTunes and on SoundCloud by just searching From the Concert Hall. Just look for our little golden logo with a little quartet of string players. We're pretty easy to find, or at least we like to think so. Now, our last song tonight to play us out into the night is the March Intercollegiate. And according to the Sinclair Catalog, the first documented performance of this took place in Washington, D.C. on the 4th of March in 1897 by the combined New Haven Band and the U.S. Marine Band as part of the activities for the inauguration of William McKinney. Here, Everybody's Alma Mater is the featured tune, a robust setting of the sentimental 1857-part song Annie Lyle, the intercollegiate tune that quickly made rounds following Cornell's adaptation of it as far above Cayuga's waters in 1872. Now, this probably dates back from 1892 in its original state for the Danbury Band fair at the fairgrounds, according to a memo left by Ives. But intercollegiate follows one of the older quickstep schemes of a 16-measure trio, followed by a decapo. It really is a wonderful song and, you know, a wonderful adaptation, you know, for really this alma mater thing that we all know. I I do find it a little bit more interesting that, you know, I would choose to use this for the inauguration of President McKinney, but, you know, some composers either have a sense of humor or know McKinney better than I do. <laughs> but to play us out into this evening, we have the March Intercollegiate by Charles Ives. I hope everyone has a wonderful night and a great weekend. Enjoy. (laughs) 